When we reach 20,000 megahertz, we throw this switch and a powerful magnetic field vibrates these forks at a precise frequency. Stimulating the pineal gland, allowing us to see with it. Listen to me. Don't move when we're in the field of the vibrations. Why? You move, they may see you. It will see you. What is this it anyway? It's the invasion of the podcast. Pray you don't see for yourself. I'm staying right by this switch. If it appears, I'm shutting down. Are you sure we're ready for this? Yes. Please. Remember, stay still. my forehead it is bulging is like, <laughs> in a weirdly erotic way all right it's invasion of the podcast uh take over the world one listener at a time i am paul um i don't know something uh pineal gland that's not how you even say it right it's supposed to be something that's mispronounced right they mispronounce it the whole movie yeah like, i've always pineal said gland. uh pineal gland P- pineal? Or, i don't know pineal yeah. gland steadman and it's pineal, my left yeah is uh steve pineal. um Steve's just going to put on some bondage gear. <laughs> I don't know. I got, I got, I got nothing. Uh, so, or, or uh, Steve, uh, humans are such easy prey. That's right. Go. That's good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed our talk last week about Night of the Comet. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what year is this from beyond? 80, 1986, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be still visiting the Steve's video store, and we'll get more into that uh, here um, and then just, just got some news, got some fun talk about stuff that happened during the weekend. And then at the very, very end, just to tease it, we have a really shitty monster mash bash uh, nacho hat. So we're going to have some shitty monsters fight it out and we'll see which one is the shittiest. Uh, so yeah. Woo-hoo. yeah, woohoo. Right. So you guys, whoever wins, <laughs> we lose. Right. That was the tagline for uh, ADP. Right. Like, so uh, yeah, it was. You know, whoever wins is the shittiest monster. I so, saw that in the theater. I oh. did too. I was at the time I went to go see it. I had no interest in seeing it, but I was living with uh, some roommates that their, their relationship was not positive. There's boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, very, very bad. And it was one of those things where it's like you, I couldn't get out of the situation, but so I had to still live around it. So I'd go to the movies often. Um, like I went, I just, I, I wasn't even a big Lord of the Rings fan, but I was like, you know, return of the King. I could go see that. Like it was one of those <laughs> things like it's four hours. Yeah, that's good. I'll be out of the house. Um, so AVP came out and I'm like, I'm just going to go watch AVP. And then as I head out the door, they're like, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to go see Alien vs. Predator. They're like, we'll come. I'm like, great. so even my moment of decompressing watching a terrible movie i couldn't even have so yeah i saw that one against my will so i always bring that up but (laughs) against your will like what do you mean like yeah yeah i was outvoted basically like it was three of us and two of them wanted to see it i I thought you were in an abusive relationship at the time they're like (laughs) you know we're gonna take you to avp whether you like it or not no it was basically like uh we took a vote on what movie we were seeing and i kept you know, saying like this movie's going to be terrible. This movie's going to be terrible, and then we walked out, and I was like, "Hey, congratulations! This movie was terrible." So, were these the same people? Like, we should go see Crow City of Angels. You're like, no, and you went to go see that as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't see Crow City of Angels. <laughs> thankfully, I, I don't have that one I under did. my belt in the theater. Like, you talk about like angry moments of just like 
Why? Like that was one of those ones. <laughs> anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. So speaking of, I, I, well, I guess that's a good uh, segueing into some of the discussion we're going to have because we're talking about Cinema Wasteland a little bit because that happened this weekend. My story that I promised to tell Steve and I've been waiting to tell him. I was at a birthday party this weekend and I was, it was a nice, nice birthday party. Um, like this gorgeous house. Like it's something like you. Like as a grown up, you're like, I should probably have had a house like this. And I'm, I'm never going to have a house like that. Uh, you know, walls, ceiling, I don't know. But it's a just really nice decorated house, like really nice party spread. Just like just nice party. Like it was one of those things where if you took like a slow steady cam through, it'd be like the perfect setup for like some type of movie, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like my own business to like, having random conversations about wrestling or whatever, you know, alienating people. Um, but I go walking from one room to another to go grab a soda. And I hear someone off to my right to say, Manimal? And, and, and I'm like, and I'm, you know, like, and the guy's, he's like, have any, of you, have any of you heard of Manimal? And I, as I'm going to open up the mini fridge, I just lean over and look into the room, and I was like, I have, <laughs> and, like, and I just, and I followed it up with, I never thought I was be waiting for this moment in my life just to randomly enter a room and say, yes, I have heard of Manimal. <laughs> so, and then we had like a weird, like five ten minute conversation about Manimal, and then I mentioned Super Train. He had never heard Super Train, and then the conversation ended. But it was great. It was great just to walk right in and be like, yes, I've heard of Manimal. So, yeah, yeah I, I've heard of Manimal. I don't know that I've ever watched it. I feel like I may have watched it as no a kid. one watched it. That's the point. Like that was the whole it was an NBC big budget like big thing and then it's like sure there was initial big ratings because like I almost feel know. like I remember the opening of it but I don't know that I ever watched episodes of it I don't think I I just remember the title sequence if I remember right and the whole thing was like he could turn into animals or command animals so I think he was always turning into a snake or a coyote or something I don't okay. know but do you remember tales of the gold monkey uh, in passing, that was like chasing the whole Indiana Jones thing, right? ABC? Yeah. But yeah. No, was, was it ABC that had that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. I remember the intro. I don't remember the show. So, yeah, like, uh, oh, God, this was like five years ago. We bought the, like, because I believe it was only one season, so it was the whole series on DVD. And uh, we got about five episodes in, and then we never went back to it. <laughs> That's funny. It's one of those like uh, memories left best, uh, just yeah, to where I'm, they I'm were. I'm sure. Yeah, right. I mean, that's it wasn't like, terrible, but it's like, why did the show not get picked up? Oh, that's why. You know. So yeah, um, randomly walking into a room saying I've heard of Manimal it was probably not the first time I've done that in my life, but it actually was appropriate because someone was talking about Manimal, so I thought I'd just come right in. And, it sounds and like somebody about, set the perfect Paul trap. Yeah, that, yeah. I would have walked in and be like, I've heard of Manimal, then the box would fall over me and be like, we caught him. Now what we're gonna do? I don't know. He's not worth anything, you know. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah. That was that was the beginning of my weekend. Then then you and I we went to Cinema Wasteland, which we've talked about previously on the show, but you had more of the. Uh, what what we call the atypical cinema wasteland experience now, which is the whole spending money, drinking in hotel rooms, watching weird stuff, yeah, having weird conversations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good time was had by all, or at least by me. Um, I picked up some uh, magazines that I had. Uh, I don't even know, like, because I don't have like a full collection of Fangoria, but I picked up some Fangoria. I picked up some. Uh, Rue Morgue and uh, an issue of uh, Bernie Wrights and Swamp Thing and a couple of movies. Uh, one was called Headless, the other one was called Hack-O-Lantern. Um, Hack-O-Lantern, my understanding, is an 80s film that... Uh, Almost won the Oscar. Yes. <laughs> it was just beat out by uh, Out of Africa. Um, <laughs> the critics were just split down the middle and it was like, do we go with Out of Africa or Hack-O-Lantern? <laughs> 
I haven't cracked that one open Dude, yet. Like, don't so. worry. The Hackle Lantern 2 will get the Oscar. we got to reward out of Africa right now. It's it's like the Peter Jackson with Lord of yeah, the Rings. So. Like, we know we know there's two more Hackle Lantern movies coming. We'll reward them when they get there. Yeah. So, yeah. And then uh, uh, we went and we did uh, the Ghastly Ghoul show, um, which was the, the, interesting. He He's a personality. Actually, I guess he has his own show, like actual like television show. I don't know what capacity. But it's like imagine like purposely bad humor and some trivia mixed in. But like, the, but whenever there the problem was is that if the humor's not landing and there's like um, time spent between gags, it just kind of like starts to peter out a little bit. Yeah. So you're supposed to, it's supposed to be an interactive kind of thing where you're kind of harassing him and whatever he like you know he gives it back as good as he gets. But I just loved it that our one friend, uh, my one friend was just sitting almost to the back row, just yelling, just yelling, boo, every so often. <laughs> like, just like, I don't know. He would have made the two guys, uh, Waldorf and whatever his name is, they would have made him proud from the Muppet Show, just as much as he was just yelling every so often. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so we did that, and then we you know, ended up in a hotel room just drinking and talking and watching and, weird stuff. And I, Well, no, yeah. I was going to say I didn't buy a drink, but I did buy a drink, mm. but... Uh, for the most part, drank for free. Yeah, I, I don't know whose Miller Light I was drinking. But Doesn't matter. Thank you. It was it was a gift from the universe. Yes. You know, I mean, we now learn that when you don't have napkins for pizza, that you know, toilet paper works just as well. And that toilet paper is universally known as pizza napkins. You're welcome. So there you go. That's something. That so the next learned. time you're at a hotel and you're, you're like, like, I'm out of pizza napkins, napkins in my they're room. They're going to know exactly what we're talking yep. about. Yeah. Anyway, no, Wasteland was fun. I, I um went in with my first 10 minutes, dropped $60 and was like, whoa, I got to stop spending money. And I didn't buy anything else like inside like the convention <laughs> for the rest of the weekend. So I was proud of me. But I picked up a, a Blu-ray copy of um, The Hidden, which is a Tom McLaughlin movie from the 80s that Steve has not seen. So I don't want to like give away how that's a it's a really cool movie. Um, not the highest budget, but there's some cool ideas in it. I dig mm-hmm. it. Uh, and then I bought a Blu-ray copy of Grizzly, so now I can watch it. At, it's high-definition glory, which I wrote about that on the blog. And I picked up a copy of A Message from Space, also, which I wrote it for the blog for the year of the knockoff. So I just it was funny because I walked over. There was the was uh, Diabolique uh, uh, DVD or whatever, the, the, the table that has the stuff. And I'm just yeah. like, I'm like, Message from Space, bought. The Hidden, bought. Uh, Grizzly bought, and I'm like, I gotta stop. I gotta stop because I kept looking down. I'm like, I could buy that. I could buy that. But like, my radar is now getting weird because of these knockoff movies. So I'm just yeah. like, I'm like, I know that. I want to own that. Like, I talked myself out of the Blu-ray copy of Orca. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I was like, I could own that, but I'm like, when am I going to watch Orca again? Like, like I want to watch Grizzly. I want to show Grizzly to everybody, you know. Like, so I'm glad I own it, um, and I want to show you Message from Space in the Hidden. So it was just one of those things where these are just not movies that you're going to find regularly, you know. Yeah. So like, and you might find them online. You might pay a lot more for what it is and shipping. So yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's also that piece of just it being right there in front of you. So it's like... Yeah, I mean, I've ordered stuff online, but I, but I do like the perusing yeah. and grabbing and handing and, and spending money, I guess. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was cool. Um, the theme of the weekend, the, the big focused uh, movie was My Bloody Valentine, the original. It had a lot of the cast and the director was there. Um, he was kind enough to sign some of his smaller art cards for my wife and myself. So that was that was cool. That's like, nice. So, uh, and, and that's a good movie. It's it's a certainly, you know, it's not high art, but it doesn't it doesn't strive to be, and it's it's in the mold of a Friday the Thirteenth type of like you know slasher who done it, but it's very much Canadian, so I appreciate that. So I um, yeah, it was it was just I like that Cinema Wasteland does this thing where they rally around a certain movie 
and then people get really excited for that. And they, they have a yeah. panel, they show the movie. And I guess from what I was overhearing that this cast has gotten together like two other times for other conventions mm-hmm. and they felt they were kind of like a dud, but they were surprised at how much people were like embracing what they've done. And even that's people cool. that had never seen the movie before until like an hour before were coming up and just gushing about it. So that's, that's really cool. It was like, yeah. Yeah. So next um, year, the uh, cast reunion is going to be for hack. lantern <laughs> Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> the esteemed, uh, almost Oscar nominated <laughs> hack lantern So, yeah. So that was, that was our, that was my weekend. And then there's something else that you did too. You wanted to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, well, uh, my weekend didn't start off great because, uh, I, I had to get my car, uh, renew my plates, and uh, um, pass e-check simply because of the fact that I had a birthday uh, Monday. Monday. But uh, on uh, Saturday, because Monday was Columbus Day, I had to get it taken care of. So I take my car to the e-check, passes e-check, get in the car, won't start. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you texted me. I was like, I was like, I just was like, Hope uh, not that I wanted this to happen, but it's like the moment you go get your car checked, it just dies before they can even check the computer. It's like, <laughs> oh well, this clearly did not pass. Like, yeah, I mean, I'd had trouble with the ignition recently, and uh, it just finally gave out, and I had to get the ignition replaced out in my car. So that was not fun. Um, but on Sunday, the day after I was at uh, Wasteland enjoying uh, Hacko Lantern. I uh, went to the movies with uh, my wife and her father um, to see Bullet on the big screen. Um, well, the reason uh, we went to see it was is that uh, my wife's or my father-in-law, I should say, uh, was in the Navy and he was the like movie cadet. He was in charge of the films for oh, cool. the submarine that he was okay. on. Um, and they wore out Bullet watching it when hmm. uh, they were on the sub, um, particularly the chase scene. And I was like, you know, my, my wife is like, do you want to go see it? I'm like, yeah, I've never seen it on the big screen. I'm like, I've seen it, but it's been a while. And seeing it on the big screen, two things occurred to me. One is is that, like, yes, the obviously the chase is the, like, big thing that everybody talks about. But that film is, like beautifully photographed it's wonderful like there's an amazing opening scene um where the credits are there's a chase scene going on and they're kind of intercut with uh the actual action they're kind of like swiping in and out Hmm. um there's wonderful shots of like it's that thing of like i I don't want to be derogatory here but like you and i watch a lot of crap like we do we watch a lot of things that are i do not know what you're talking about (laughs) sir um Uh, and like seeing something like this on the big screen like really noticing like the craftsmanship and the artistry that went into uh that film like there's just some gorgeous shots like things happening with reflections and the way that they would block scenes and things like that wonderful wonderful stuff and then um the actual script itself i i guess i never realized because again i I just always focused on like the car chase and some of the other aspects of the movie but like it's a very sparse dialogue film like there's long patches of that film where there's not dialogue so Um, you can tell by my reactions um here's my admission i've never seen bullet and i need to well that's okay i mean it's not okay it's supposed to be awesome but i've just like never said i watched it i've seen it but like i don't think i ever got this like, because I don't think I've seen it since I the last time I saw it was probably on like a non widescreen version TV, if you will, like a just a, <laughs> a thirty incher like you know mm-hmm. square TV. So it was it certainly wasn't formatted properly, and it was probably pan scan. So I never noticed all this stuff, and just seeing it on the big screen. And I think that that's the big takeaway is is that like 
a lot of the films that I've like seen on the big screen again after never either having seen them on the big screen or revisiting them after many many years is just really appreciating like the artistry that went into making them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean obviously um, it's already passed, but if for whatever reason you see that you know your local theater is playing Bullet in the theater, go see it. Uh, I highly recommend it, even if you're not like a car guy or a because um, it's a police procedural. If you're not, that's not your bag. I'd still recommend it. It's a wonderful looking film. So awesome. Well, it, I have I have no reason to have not seen it by now. I just have not. So I, I I it's a guilty. It's one of those like list of shame films that I know I should have gotten to, and it and I and I love car chases. I even said I even tempted uh, the the idea this year of not making it the knockoff, but the year of the car chase. Yeah. But I didn't know how far that would go. Like that's not a pun. I guess. It is a pun. Um, I just didn't know where we were to go. Try to find like. 30 car chase movies. I'm sure they exist, <laughs> but there's going to be a point where I'm like, can we just get through the, can we just get to the car chase part? Like, I right. feel like that's what would have been happening. So yeah, I need, I need to get to that. It's awesome that you got to see that though. That's, that's cool. Well, wow. yeah. I mean, that's how I feel though. When you, you mention any Western, I'm like, it, Nope, I haven't seen it. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, I, I, I think about to back to this time last year where I'm just like, I got to watch 30 Westerns in three months. <laughs> uh, and, you know, so yeah, I mean, you know, you don't see all of them. That's fine. <laughs> but anyway, so so yeah, that was uh, that was our weekend, and um, yeah, a lot of a lot of good movie watching and some not so good movie watching. Uh, but to put a pin in this, a friend of the show, Kevin, pointed out to me that there was a shocking dark Blu-ray available. I told him I was good. Like I was not going to go <laughs> uh, put money on that and own I, a physical copy. Of that I movie. own it for five dollars on Amazon Prime. I think I'm good. Like what if like what if like you know Amazon eventually just emailed you and said, "Hey, due to some issues, we know you paid five dollars, but this movie's no longer available to watch." Like, would you be really that upset and be like, "Can I have my credit back?" Yeah, no, I <laughs> I hate to say it, would but you, would you send Amazon a dollar saying thank you? That it's not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Let's just get to let's get to some news. Good news, everyone. Uh, in a, in a rarity, we have we have an update to a previous story. Update. <laughs> update. Yeah. So anyway, that should have faded out, but whatever. Uh, so we got an update to. Uh, we talked about this recently. It wasn't even was it was it last week we talked about this or the week before? I can't remember. It was last uh, week. last week. Um, it's been so long. Uh, you know. So it's been six days. It's been six days. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you, know, uh, you know. Anyway, so uh, we talked about Toys R Us like stopping its its selling of its like you know IP and all the stuff of like you know foreclosure and, and auction and all this and we talked about like there was the potential of something coming back. Yes. And so they it's been tentatively announced they have not given plans but there's something called Jeffrey's Toy Box that's the rebranding of Toys R Us um, that is something that they're going to then work with another store to basically have these little tiny boutiques inside everything. So it, like I, I hate that the one time I was right about something was something so mundane as this, but it's exactly as we talked about it. Yeah, and, I, I mean, when I read that article that you sent me, though, regarding it, I didn't know that there were so many like actual licenses or toy lines that were built on Toys R Us in the sense that like... Uh, they listed like a whole bunch, like Imaginarium and things like that, were actually like IP of Toys R Us. So yeah, because they started like putting in their own brands and things yeah. in there, and then they also they were a proponent of some of the smaller brands too. So this might still be an avenue for them to get some of this out. But the internet reaction is, well, I guess that's okay. And I'm like, 
damn it, just you got <laughs> you got you got your goddamn giraffe. Just be happy, you know. So, um, yeah, just wanted to you know, like we had to provide an update, and it's like because that mystery's been solved a week later. <laughs> so I, I don't have anything else other than like you you asked maybe what stores it wants to be at, like they, they think they're going to be in. I would love it if it was like uh like dollar thrifty or family dollar <laughs> Jeffrey's toy box or like CVS or Walgreens have a Jeffrey's toy box section. I mean, I guess those would probably benefit from it, but like, I, I feel like it's a Walmart or a target move. Oh, I feel you know. like it's one of the yeah. two biggies, you know? And, uh, you know, I still like the idea of them doing pop-ups at Christmas. Like if they just did a pop-up from, you know, november to you know like a spirit halloween yeah. if they did it from like november to december i think there's something to be said there i think yeah. you're right yeah so that would be yeah I, I think that's right so anyway update about the story like we've we beat that giraffe to death so we'll move on to the next thing speaking of other things we've talked about i guess this is another update uh james gunn has been we knew he was out and about because he'd been uh removed from marvel in terms of directing guardians volume three mm-hmm. uh the the supposedly he's been signed on to write uh suicide squad 2 for DC. Yeah. So tentatively titled Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Tentatively titled a mixtape volume two Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, no. Uh, it, so we don't know if this is supposed to be a direct sequel to the original movie or if it's like him. If DC was smart, if Warner Brothers was smart, they'd be like, we have you to write the script. Do whatever you think is appropriate. And then we'll tell you yes or no. Yeah. Like, don't don't shoehorn him into your your universe that's been at times successful, but not really like if he has an idea, which as much as I'm excited for James Gunn to get another opportunity, which we knew he was going to. And I think suicide squad is certainly tailored for him. It kind of bums me out that cause suicide squad, the first movie wanted so bad to be guardians of the galaxy yeah. that they're bringing him in to write the second one. And it's like, you know, I'm sure it's going to be better than the first one, but I, I was also kind of hoping that maybe if he was attached to a DC project, it wouldn't be, uh, you know, the mirror image of guardians, which I know it's not technically that, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, I feel like there's so much that he could do there that I don't know that... I mean, okay, so let me step back. So him doing something with Suicide Squad 2 is basically a nice big middle finger to Marvel. Let's just be honest. Like, yeah. it's it's DC like, hey, we got your guy now, and uh, we're going to put him on our franchise that needs help. Um, that tried to rip off the franchise he created for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know that I want to see him do, uh, and it's unfair cause I still haven't even seen the original suicide squad. Maybe there's something there that I would really graft onto outside of, you know, I know what the comics book version was. I liked that version. Um, but I didn't hear great things about the movie, and I never really went beyond that. I forgot you didn't see that. It's, yeah. it's just still funny to me that I've like drug myself through some of this stuff, and you're like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I it, it, if if you're to take that idea and then have him kind of run with it and go forward, I think Will Smith was was his performance was really good as a uh, Deadshot and uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, which I know they're doing the Birds of Prey film. Um, and I feel like there was some room there that you could probably write Captain Boomerang better. You could probably write uh, Killer Croc better because they weren't presented all that well in yeah. the movie. Like nothing to do. Like I feel like there could be some real good fun to be had there. But wouldn't it have been great if they given him something like um, I don't know. Like here's my showing of, of DC, my lack of knowledge, but like like Booster Gold or Blue Beetle or something, something like that's known as a DC fan, but not as like well known in the, like the main. 
thing because that's what Guardians was like. No one knew, and he was like, "This is what this is," and they became beloved. Like, yeah. give him a chance to give something that DC that that comic fans know is quality, and then make the world fall in love with it. So, I mean, what's interesting about that is, is particularly after they kind of fell on their keys with, you know, their whole Batman v Superman slash Justice League, you know, world. Um, I shouldn't say world because Wonder Woman was a hit, and I I, I have a feeling that Aquaman is going to do well, um, unless that movie just uh, you know again like comes out and hits with a thud, or is so critically like, the headlines are going to be Aquaman sinks like a stone, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> unless that happens, I, I'm I'm I kind of got the feeling, particularly with Venom making two hundred million this past weekend. Other headline: No Momoa. That's what's going to say, <laughs> but um. You know, I feel like if you were to put him on a Justice League, now when I say that, what I mean is is that there was a run in the late 80s of Justice League that was written as a comedy book. Like it was a it was still a superhero book, but um it was had a very like satirical bent to it. Okay. Um and it was Booster Gold, it was um Blue Beetle, um, Green Lantern, but the Green Lantern was Guy Gardner, who had the bad bowl cut and was just angry all the time. Um, fire, ice. Um, I think you're just named American Gladiators now. I don't yes. know. If, like, <laughs> Zap is on there. <laughs> Gemini. Uh, but what was cool about it was is that like it was um, very far off from what you would expect a normal uh, DC book to be at that time. And I could see him doing something like that. Like, oh, you think you know the Justice League? Here you go. Here's a bunch of, like, I don't want to say no-name characters, but they're certainly lesser knowns. Yeah. Um, and he could have some real fun with that. Or I, My only concern with the the him taking over uh, Suicide Squad is just that, like, it doesn't feel like it's worthy of him. Like, I hate to put it that way, but, like, maybe letting him write the script is fine, but, like, I kind of want him to be like, here's what I found mm-hmm. cool kind of like he did with guardians where it's like nobody really knew what the guardians of the galaxy were before he touched it so like if there's something in the dc universe that he's got his eye on i'd rather see him do that than follow in the footsteps of something that didn't kind of already work yeah i mean at least i mean it the the script's going to be good i have no doubt about that it's just yeah, I wish it would have been something different, but I mean, again, this is me not not being a billionaire making these decisions, and I'm sure I'll end up going to see this movie like day one and enjoy it, whatever it turns out to be. But yeah. I was just hoping, like, if if he was like you know, given the ability to pretty much a blank check to do what he wants, which is pretty much what this is. Uh, maybe he said, "This is what I want to do." Maybe that's what it is, or you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just I, it's going to be weird having him there, and then Joss Whedon, who's kind of showed up sometimes. I feel like it's going to become like, you know, like the old timers club of the Marvel universe and just be like, come in, tell your war stories. <laughs> and they will, yeah. you know, Peyton Reed, you want to come in here now? You know, like, I don't know. Like, um, I mean, Edgar the- Wright, do you want to come in and be angry for a bit? <laughs> we'll have a beer, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, the unfortunate thing about the Whedon thing is that like he had to save a movie and it just didn't work. Yeah. Like, um, I, I don't know. Like, I wonder what that movie might have been had he been given just full reigns from the beginning as opposed to having to deal with what Snyder did. So Yeah, no kidding. So And I mean it's not a terrible film. Like we talked about it on that episode when we both watched it. 
I didn't hate it. It's just it, it wasn't an Avengers-type film either. I just feel like since you didn't watch Donna Justice and Suicide Squad that you don't have the full breadth of what's going on. Oh, I'm pretty sure I got the gist. <laughs> I couldn't get through that sentence. So, <laughs> so yeah, anyway, uh, more more gun news as we go along. I'm sure was what will happen. So, uh, last thing, yeah, I had, a, I had a mystery story. I'm going to bring it up on my phone. So, Steve. Mystery story. So Steve didn't know this was happening. Uh, right, so. Particularly on an episode where we call back to the unsolved mysteries. Yeah, right. That I didn't really, yeah, so we're here it's a mystery story uh no just kidding all right um all right so here's the story this has actually happened uh it was supposed to be a flight bound for cleveland um this was in florida so there you go uh frontier airlines said a woman had to be escorted off a flight bound for cleveland tuesday uh because of a squirrel uh the passenger boarded flight whatever in orlando saying the squirrel was an emotional support animal um, <laughs> airline said passenger noted in her reservation that she was bringing on an emotional support animal but it was not indicated that the animal was a squirrel so <laughs> frontier said rodents including squirrels are not allowed on its flights um so the you know, anyway so she was removed police eventually escorted her off the plane uh her and her emotional support squirrel so um <laughs> So, how, do you, how do you feel about that? The story is, a woman tried to bring a squirrel on the plane, and they said, lady, you're nuts, and then they, they kicked her off the plane by force. Yeah. I, so my understanding, don't those have to, those animals have to be certified? No. You you, you can just say, like, this yes. is my there, animal be, support. Well, there, there are certifications for those things, absolutely, but the problem is, if, if you go up to somebody and be like, I don't believe that's an emotional support animal, and you're wrong, yeah. like, you're going to look like... Like the, the the biggest jerk in the world. So there's a certain amount of like you're you're absolutely right. There's supposed to be accreditation and all this <laughs> Are stuff. Are you ready for me Accre- to look like a, the biggest a, jerk in the world? Accreditation, like like these like these animals went to like you know like college or something, you know. So but, <laughs> so here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, three years ago, I worked at a Verizon store in Westlake. I'm sure you can figure out where that is. Um, <laughs> you just literally said Westlake. I mean, of the seven locations there. <laughs> But uh, one of the things that I would see fairly regularly was, uh, you know, um, rich old white ladies with uh, little dogs that they would bring in in a purse and, like, claim was their, you know, animal support dog or whatever. And I I just always in the back of my mind was like, I don't think that's a support animal at all. (laughs) Like, I just, I, I was that big jerk. I was just like, I was ready to, like, you know... I'm okay, so I'm not saying that emotional sport animals don't have their place because they certainly do. Um, uh, we like where I work at, there's someone that actually that something they do in their spare time is they actually help um, get animals that are meant to be service animals, like uh, like accommodated to others, like in terms of like a professional setting. So every so often they'll just be it's puppy day, and this like they'll bring a puppy in, and it will be like you know learning to how to to behave around like society. And still, sometimes the dog will bury its head in a trash can or whatever, but right. it's learning, right? So, oh, I believe that, yeah, like, yeah, you know, like, that support animals exist yeah. and are real. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like my it, emotional support animal is a unicorn. It's not <laughs> here right now. But if I get it, it's going on a flight with me. To Orlando. I just think that it gave certain people, like, uh, an out for, like, I can't take Miss Muppy to the Verizon store. Oh, no, I agree. I think anytime, so. anytime there's opportunity for abuse, people are going to take advantage of it. So, but yeah, like, maybe this person really does have. Have an emotional support squirrel? Yeah, I doubt it. Like, let's just put. I, I mean, I can like, you even domesticate a squirrel? I don't, I don't know. know. Like, like I mean, look at that movie Monkey Shines. You saw what happened there, <laughs> and that was supposed to help somebody. You know, like so. I you know, I just 
I don't know. Unless it's like this is my emotional support squirrel. I, I bring them in for the summer, and then we get ready for the winter, and then then we say our goodbyes, and it comes back in the summer and helps me save up for the winter again. I mean, I, I guess know. wouldn't you also do your homework on that, where you're like, I don't know if they're going to recognize my squirrel as the you know support animal. So maybe I ask that when I'm like, hey, I'm going to be bringing my support animal on, well, but it's also a squirrel. They clearly didn't identify it because they yeah. knew it was going to be a problem. You know, and like, I was like the idea, they're like, we don't, we don't allow rodents in our flights. I'm like, that means something happened at one point where they're like, nope, no more, you know? So, so yeah, anyway, that was my secret story. It just reminds me of the, the, the frog that, uh, ends up in, uh, Australia on the Simpsons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it ends up causing this problem where like, cause it's, uh, you know, whatever, um, not, not a native species. Yeah. Yeah, like I feel like that's gonna happen. Like that's gonna be the support animal thing. Like where... the, all this, the squirrels from Florida. It's gonna cause problems with all the native squirrels here. <laughs> and it's gonna be a population. So it's gonna be all these asshole Florida squirrels. They're you know they're just gonna be you know. Well, they are know. from Florida. Yeah, all of them. All the all the, all the squirrels are Florida. <laughs> Sorry, Florida. any yeah. Florida listeners. <laughs> we lost them. They're like, you know what? How dare you make fun of our state and our squirrels? So, yeah. Anyway, that was my secret story. I didn't I just thought you'd be, appreciate the emotional support squirrel? I did enjoy it. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, now, but yeah. Wow. Look at that. We got through our weekend in the news. We're, we're doing good. So let's. Uh, we're going to jump right so let's in. Let's drag our heels. Yeah. We're going to get right into our talk about 1986. That's right. I keep saying the right year uh, from beyond. So um, we're going to turn on the resonator and then we'll talk about it. And now for our feature presentation. Every journey begins in the mind. <laughs> A flight of imagination. A vision of what might lie across the universe. Or within the deepest regions of the subconscious. Dr. Edward Pretorius is about to embark on such a journey. <laughs> it's out of control. You've got to turn it off. Something's coming. <laughs> Humans are such easy prey. From the makers of Reanimator, from beyond wasn't especially large, but it felt hard, extremely hard. It's weird that that dialogue would be also from that movie. I don't know. <laughs> He's talking about the pineal gland, right? The pineal gland, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about 1986 from beyond. So I'm going to give it to you, Steve, first. Like you talk, like this is your month of, um, of Shocktober. Um, whatever. Uh, so I'm why did, glad you didn't bring back Rocktober. See, I didn't say it. Yeah. Um, so, um, <laughs> we just we just want to make fun of people all weekend. It's Mocktober. Uh, you know, uh, no, um, and I like Spocktober. Uh, so anyway, so why why did you choose from from Beyond? So I'm going to answer your question first with a question. So was there a movie that you can remember that was just always in your house, like for no reason? Or I shouldn't even say no reason. But what's the first movie that you remember just sort of being there? Whether it be one that you bought or that like you know your folks bought or something like that. Uh, like the, the, the two big, for whatever reason, like, and because my mom, these are movies that she loved. I felt like there were these important movies. Okay. Uh, and it, it, so Scarface, the, the Pacino one. All right. Um, uh, and King of Kings with Jeffrey Hunter playing Jesus. So, you know, Christopher Pike playing okay. Jesus. Uh, and then also, um, 
the Chris Christopherson of Star is Born, which is weird that we just mentioned that. Like yeah. we talked like so those are like the ones I remember because she loved those movies. So I I've seen like a Star is Born. I can't even tell you how many times growing up and uh and Scarface, I don't know why we we're allowed to watch that. <laughs> but King of, King of Kings is the important Bible movie. So, yeah. So those are the three I really remember. Because when, when we got a VCR, we joined one of those movie clubs. And that was like the first three things that she picked. Okay. Um, and the, for whatever reason, because I, I'm sure you remember the, when you guys got a VCR in your household. Because uh, you're, you're a little older than me. But I remember like the big deal is my dad went and made the decision of the technology to go by. And he bought a beta player, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> which is the better choice. It's just that it turned out to be there was no movies for it. So then, like a week after getting the Betamax, we got a VCR, and then we started getting these movies. So yeah. So we got a VCP. Do you know what a VCP is? Uh, is that, is that one of no? That's not one of those big wooden things with the big, almost like record player size disc. No, no. Okay. It's just that it's a player. It didn't record anything. Oh, so that's like, funny that you say the VCP. I'm like <laughs> video cassette player. I like my mind blanked on the letter P there. You know, what's what's a <laughs> Which VCP? Annoyed me to no end because I couldn't record anything. <laughs> video cassette processor. <laughs> But uh, the reason I ask that is, is that like for me, for instance, the the first videotape I ever bought was 1989's Batman. I bought it on pre-sale when that came out, and then uh, I think the next movie I would buy was probably not until three or four years later. I would w- buy the first. Well, it's probably three years now. That I think about it, the first Wayne's World movie. Mm-hmm. I bought that on VHS, and then um, I know my mom had gotten me the Star Wars trilogy on VHS. And some friends of mine had gotten me Metallica's uh, Year in Life and a Half of. So those were like the things that probably for a good like five or six years were like the things that had been bought or, you know, were specifically gone out and gotten. Um, gotten? Sure. Sure. Um, but From Beyond has a weird backstory with me. So my brother, I don't know if he had rented it. Or if a friend of his had rented it, but it never got returned to the video <laughs> store. So it was like the one horror movie we had sitting around the house that I could just watch any time. Um, and I was unaware of Reanimator at the time. So when it came to From Beyond, that's my Reanimator. Like, I understand why people love Reanimator. I understand why it's... If you say, like, oh, Stuart Gordon, Jeffrey Combs, and Barbara Crampton... That's the movie people immediately will go to. They don't immediately think From Beyond. But From Beyond was my introduction to, I think, definitely Jeffrey Combs, Mm -hmm. certainly Barbara Crampton, and then the work of Stuart Gordon as a director. So, like, that's always been, like, for me, the favorite of his work. So, I didn't see Reanimator, I'm going to say, for a solid I don't know, maybe 15 years after it came out, if that, mm-hmm. um, maybe even more. Um, but that was always the one that I was always like, God, you know, I, I love For, From Beyond. It's this wacky movie, and like it was unlike any other horror movie I'd ever seen at that age, because I was probably 13, 14 when that video cassette had landed on in our VCP, um, <laughs> and then never went back. <laughs> So I don't know whose whose copy of it was, but it was just a movie that we always had lying around because whoever rented it never returned it. Hmm. So, um, and it was a movie that, while yes, I have some nostalgia for, I still think is one of the great um, effects movies of the '80s, and it has a wonderful 
H.P. Lovecraft story behind it, even though it's only like seven pages long and I've not read it, <laughs> I'm still going to say it's a wonderful story. So that's that's really where it came from for me. It came from uh, this random VHS that ended up at my house and was so different from anything else that I'd ever seen at that time and sort of became this sort of monument that I hold up for that era of that type of horror. You know, I, I would say the only other one that comes close is probably the fly. Um, Cause I would I, say that this is definitely body horror. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this, I feel like Stuart Gordon and, um, and Cronenberg should have probably gotten together and, you know, maybe made something. It would have yeah. been, it would have been like high minded and gross as all get out, you know, and it would have been amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I remember seeing this movie growing up because we told me this was on your list of things you want to get to. And I, I remember telling you three things about the movie I remember. And you're like, yeah, that's pretty much the movie. <laughs> and it, like, so it stuck with me, which was the weird floaty eels, uh, you know, the pineal gland coming out. And then, um, the, the, the weird, uh, like messed up face of uh, Doctor Pretorius. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name. You know, uh, Oscar Patronus. That's not it. Uh, so, um, uh, so well, Pretorius is a callback to Frankenstein. So. Well, and then there's other things here too that are callback to some of the Lovecraft stuff and some of the stuff from Reanimator. So yeah, uh, so yeah. When you said you wanted to watch this, like I, I really, really, really do like body horror. Um, and it's one of those things. So. Um, when it comes to the types of horror movies I like, I mean, obviously, it's smartly written, well done. You have me all day, right? Like, like I, I lent you or I'd given you a download code for Hereditary, and that that movie goes places that normally I wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'd be like, well, okay, that's interesting, but the that movie just kind of like knocked me on my ass and made me pay attention. It was great and well done, and we're not going to get into that because you know, watch Hereditary. That's if you like horror movies and you like you like being treated like a big per like a big boy, an adult. Watch Hereditary. It's badass. And a head gets covered in ants. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. That's, uh, I mean. <laughs> I've just ruined the movie. <laughs> no. Uh, so um, if you don't like ants, don't watch Hereditary. But uh, so when it comes to my my typical stock and trade of what I love in horror, it has to kind of make some kind of sense to me in terms of why it's happening. Mm-hmm. So some of the more supernatural stuff, I feel it's very untethered and it's hard for me to be like, okay, sure. If you set up these rules, but then I feel like a lot of ghost movies break their rules because it's a ghost. It can go wherever it wants, right? Like I played Pac-Man. It goes wherever it wants that. I don't know. But with body horror, it generally, even though from beyond is body horror and it's different and we'll get into like why, um, showing me how like exposure to something and changing and, you know, things aren't going well, or maybe you think you're getting better and you're not, that all feels much more rooted in reality. Even if the outcome is horrific and absurd, there's that initial just like, oh, this isn't going to go well. Yeah. And you mentioned The Fly, which, I mean, I could talk about that forever. And I, I love I love The Fly, the remake of The Fly. I mean, the original one's good too. But that one's great because with Goldblum going into the telepod and being fused with The Fly and that having this timeline of like weeks and months of it, you know, happening still bothers me mm-hmm. to thinking about it. And so from, and Reanimator, even though, it's logic is very loose about how much green juice you shove into something and it comes back. It's, it's still kind of working in the realm of here. You got uh, Herbert West who doesn't give a shit about like um, the, you know what, if you can't do it, it's a matter of, well, why can't you? And I'm going to, you know? And so you see the ramifications of that. And that movie has some fun and it has some weird bits. And, and I had not watched any of the reader movies until two years ago. And I really enjoyed them as well from beyond. Um, 
is a, it's just straight body horror all throughout, but it's ridiculous and what happens. Uh, but because it's dealing with it just right from the jump. And so we, I guess we get in the premise of this, uh, cause I'm just rambling here. Um, cause I feel like we should at least talk about uh, the idea well, of what, I, what it is. I first. brought up the, you know, I brought up the whole video cassette yeah. origin of it for me personally. So like, it's not like you got off track. It's well, like, no, no, I, no. I started the conversation. I, well, I was there, about to so. get into why it's different from body horror. And we're not even getting to the specifics of the movie. So it starts off with, uh, Dr. Herbert West. No, not, not him. Uh, it's Jeffrey Holmes still chewing a pencil like he was <laughs> as if Dr. Herbert West. And he, his name, I love all these names. Dr. Crawford Tillinghast. Um, sure. Uh, and he and um, Dr. Edward Pretorius uh, were working on this thing called the resonator that's supposedly using like magnets and waves and all this other ICP technology magnets. We don't know how they work um, <laughs> are able to somehow like harmonize and uh, like align with other reality or other levels of reality. And, and the, so the machine once it's on, there's things that might be around you, but it's on a different plane of existence and your brain's not susceptible to it and it stimulates the you know pineal gland to make you see these things yeah it's a similar idea of like taking a microscope and finding out that there's a whole bunch of things living around us that we yeah. just don't see in our normal everyday life so then this becomes the issue of like well now that we've done this and there, there's possibly a threat do we keep going and within the first five minutes of the movie one of them says yes and then bad things happen and so the movie is this whole setup of like, you know, the, the, the technology established that it can resonate and bring you aligned with the stuff that's going on. And, and um, you know, Pretorius disappears or appears to be murdered. And but he was accepting of what was coming whenever yes. uh, uh, Tillinghast was at first questioning, like, should we now that we can do it and I see the danger is real, maybe we need to back off a little bit. Um, so that's, that's your basic jumping off point is that people think that he killed, uh, Pretorius because he doesn't have a head anymore. Like Pretorius doesn't not telling has, uh, telling guest. And then he ends up meeting, uh, Barbara Crampton's character, uh, doctor, Dr. Catherine, Mike McMichaels, who, uh, you know, wants to believe him, but also it's been hinted that she takes some shortcuts or, um, doesn't follow the same procedures to, to, to determine results. Like she's willing to take risks. Psych, you know, her psychology to to test, you know, things. Yeah, I mean, part of that was written into the script as a way to, because Stuart Gordon really wanted to work with Barbara Crampton again, and some people were like, she's a little too young to be an established psychologist. So they they wrote it in that she's kind of a wonderkind and may have taken steps to or skipped steps i should say to get to results that would bring her to the position that she's mm -hmm. in now which is interesting because it's kind of actually similar to the way harley quinn was written in the batman animated series um that she had uh been kind of a wonderkin within the psychological world as well um but when it comes to the actual breakdown of the story when it comes to both her role in Jeffrey Combs, it's kind of a role reverser, reversal from where they are in Reanimator um, because he's sort of the one who's pursuing it um, and she's... She's, well, he's for lack of a, he's yeah. hesitant to keep chasing because he saw what happens initially and and she's the one now pursuing it, like even though she knows this person's terrified out of their minds yeah. and is telling telling her these like, you know horrific stories, but she wants to, to see... Yeah. And so at all costs, you know, and so that sets up an interesting dynamic of the movie you mentioned, because, I mean, obviously the characters and the actors have they felt the actors played 
you know, the opposite in, in, in animate and reanimator animators, the, the, the original film, then reanimator sequel. That's not true. Um, so, and um, I guess we also should mention a little bit about Stuart Gold- Stuart Gordon. I was reading about him, and he did a lot of experimental theater in college, a lot of things he'd always be challenging and pushing. And so it does not surprise me after seeing Reanimator and From Beyond that his personality of this, like, yeah, does that make you uncomfortable? What about this? And it's not, I mean, the, the, this movie has a lot of splatter gore, uh, beautifully so, and it's it's very ridiculous. But with the, the, the premise of, the, a lot of this is coming from a dimension that we don't know and don't understand. It's supposed to be alien and horrific and, and, and not knowable. So how do you translate that to the screen? You know, so this feels different to me. And even like reanimator with stepping over the top, it's like you're, you're seeing the, um, you know, the cost that's paid for the science that you're doing, Yeah. you know, so both have their, so I could see how he's still coming from the mindset of like, I want, to to make you think about what you're what you're seeing and what you're doing, but he still also tempered it a little bit. I, and I, that, maybe that's not the right way to say that, but he did go for reactions. He did want to see how people would react to things, uh, and even when trying to get this movie an R rating um, from Beyond, because initially the MPA it was like X, <laughs> and, yeah. and so he had to find ways to try to cut around. Which I didn't know the version that you'd let me watch, the one that's released by Screen Factory, actually was the restored with all the extra bits in. So, you know, that I didn't I didn't know that until watching the special features cuz I was like, wow, they're really showing a lot of stuff here. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. Um so I, I just feel like you go from that in that mindset of, of of him knowing what he wanted to do and then also knowing that uh Reanimator was like a dark comedy and he did not want really any comedy in this, which other than, you know, Ken Faree, which would even mention him as like the police like bodyguard escort coming back to this house where this experiment happened. He's like the only comedy relief in the film when he's not around for parts of it. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know that he's technically comedy relief. I think it's just that like Ken Foree is the one who a has the, the sort of outsider view of it. Um, yeah. because, uh, Barbara Crampton's Dr. Catherine, uh, or Catherine, I should say, um, buys into it almost immediately like he's the one who's like whoa 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 like let's take a step back but also he's i feel like there's a lot of ken foree's personality in this role um he's just a big lovable guy who's like well but there's bits that like uh what was it at one point he's cooking dinner for everybody yeah. he's making like this i don't know what was like potatoes or something and he puts out one serving on one plate one serving on the other plate and then three on his. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, he's the cook. He could do what he wants, but it's like, it, it's, it's a funny moment because it just shows the kind of the way he is. And was like, you know, and he was smelling his own cooking and enjoying it. And it's like, I, you know, I feel like it's dumplings and beef or something, something like yeah. that, you know, but it was like one of those things where it's like, you're right. He wasn't like a laugh a minute, but it, there was right. enough there where like you were right. You did identify him with him as the, like the audience, but he would say things you're like, yeah, right. That, why, why would you do that? You know, so, so but this movie's very straight faced and considering yeah. how, how ridiculous it gets, like in terms of not ridiculous as in like laughable, but like, um, it goes places, you know, yeah. and, uh, and from beyond, you know, it goes, it goes to beyond and then beyond that. Um, uh, but it's so, it, I think what makes this movie hold up, uh, is that it doesn't wink at you. Yeah. Like it just straight up is like, this is this movie. And uh, what I wanted to get into a little bit is that I don't feel like there's definitely a main character in the film. Like you have, you know, um, Oh, their, their names. I'm uh, Tillinghast. Uh, yeah. And, uh, McMichaels. 
they are the main characters, but I feel like they shift in and out of the victim and the hero, like, or the, the protagonist antagonist, like a little bit, like they keep kind of going back and forth. And then you got Pretorius who is really the big, the big bad in this, but he's always just kind of this, that lurking shadow. Yeah. It's a very strange format for a film that had a theatrical run. Mm-hmm. I don't I, like, I mean, I don't know what you think about that. I just feel like the structure of the story is very, it's, it's, it goes act one, two and three, but it does not function the way a movie normally functions. Yeah. And I would say that they're more co-supporting actors as opposed to like Jeffrey Combs is clearly in reanimator. He's the lead character in this. I feel like him and Barbara Crampton go back and forth between being the lead characters mm-hmm. because once she sees what, is happening she's the one who sort of becomes obsessed and you know one of the things that i thought was interesting about the film um viewing it as an adult you know as as being 13 14 when i first watched it it was a completely different view of like i don't even want to say sex because there isn't any actual sex in the movie but like sex is all over the movie <laughs> in the sense that like yeah. dr pretorius is into very like snm type stuff and um, to the point to where, well, the first time you see Jeffrey Combs sleeping in a bed, you didn't realize he was sleeping in like I, I call it a sex dungeon. It's not a sex dungeon because it's like on the second floor. So the sex apartment, the sex apartment, like he's on this bed and there's like this really big suggestive painting on the wall. Yeah, and it's something about like because the first time you see him sleeping in there, you're like, oh well, that that's weird. And then when they come back to you're like, oh, that's where he's sleeping at. <laughs> like he, he gives this little like, like monologue later where he was like, and I could hear them. And it's like, well, if you're sleeping in the bed beside everything going on, of course you're going to hear everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, for me at that time, you know, sex in a lot of the films that I watched was, you know, your Friday 13th nightmare on Elm streets where it was a very superficial thing where, is this, it was a much more about, I don't even want to go so far as to say erotic, but no, like desire it's a, and consumption yes. and experience and feeling and, and, and lust yeah. in a sense, because, um, the pineal gland, uh, also has to do with the sex drive, which was something that they found out later when they were doing research for the film, that it was, it kind of worked itself its way in because it was something that he originally had, but it wasn't part of the original story. Um, and I, I think that that separates the film as well, um, with the exception of, you know, Barbara Crampton's nudity and then the S&M get out that she gets into. It's, I don't know. I hate to say like it's a more adult version, but it, it uh, for what I was watching at the time, it certainly was a more... Uh, well, the, even the bit where she gets into the to the whole the whole rig, the S and M rig, um, and she goes to take advantage of a, of a poorly disfigured uh, Jeffrey Combs at that point, who whose skin had been worn thin by being uh, sucked into this worm from another dimension. So yeah. it looked like he looked like low rent Deadpool to me. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it looked like because he wasn't like horribly disfigured, but just mildly disfigured. <laughs> but his skin was supposed to be so sensitive that everything kind of bothered him. So she's like, you know what? I should straddle him right now. I'm like, that probably doesn't feel good, but right. whatever. Anyway, so she is kind of like dealing with this because she's being exposed to the resonator and her, you know, the pineal glands going off or whatever, pineal, pineal, whatever, the the Michael Pena gland, uh, gland I don't know. <laughs> um, and then when Ken Faree comes back in, 
and he sees what's going on that there's the bit where she kind of comes onto him and it sounds like he's like, you know, about to succumb to it too. And he grabs her and forces her to look in a mirror. He's like, look at what you're doing. And right. it was like, I, like I said, I saw this movie growing up. I don't, didn't even remember that sequence. And it's like that, I don't feel like that's what would have happened in a movie at that time had in oh, the direction no. that it did. Yeah. Uh, and so even though he knew that like this the whole thing was affecting all of them. And I also like that I like that too that this is all happening in this house and no matter and then you eventually find out that the range of this machine can go all the way to the basement. Um that it's almost like it's not just like a haunted house, it's like an erotic haunted house type of thing where it's like even when you set foot in this place, you can't you can't be absolutely certain of your motivations. Right. You know, and I I like that in, in, in Ken Faree's character, even though he struggled with it and, you know, was wearing very amounts of clothes in the movie. Um, he still was the one that was smart enough to be like, we need to get out of here. We saw what happened and we need to go. Yeah. And but she was all like science and then pushed forward. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I believe yeah. her rationale was, is that like you don't do just an experiment once. You have to do it multiple times in order to discern what the actual results are. Yeah. That's why I keep drinking because I just never know <laughs> uh, if that's you know like, you know I've had I've had a lot of the same things happen before but maybe it'll be different next time right maybe next time I'll I'll win win friends and influence people I don't know but what, um, what is interesting though that each time that they do engage the resonator is is that Doctor Pretorius will return but in like a new form yeah um and it's interesting that his body or at least his consciousness keeps evolving into these different things. Like, but his like initial human self that's there, it has like the consistency of like yike stripes, fruit straight gum after like five seconds of chewing it. Like, yeah, you, you touch him, you leave this huge gouge in the, the shoulder, and it's like it's almost like he's because he tells him like touch of my flesh, like because he's he's evoking you know the New Testament you know with with you know Jesus and his uh, resurrection right. So I mean that's all very obvious, but it's like and then he gets you know um, you know. Uh, I keep wanting to say Jeffrey Holmes's name. I forget it. It's a uh, telling him. Till, yeah, because it rolls off the tongue. Uh, you know Crawford. Uh, it tells me you know, <laughs> and when Crawford goes up, touches him, and it's like this is this like, you know horrible thing that happens. And then like the next time you see Pretorius, it's like half of him is like melted and yeah. like falling off, and it's like this whole it keeps getting worse and worse and more grotesque to where eventually I, you get something like out of a nightmare with his head on this big long neck and like it's asymmetrical and it feels like something that would have come out of the thing, except it still has, it still has his brain and it still has his like sexual desire, but it's a weird thing. Cause like, well, it is a weird thing. And he says to, um, uh, Catherine, when he has a hold of her at one point, he's like, I would have enjoyed you differently in another life. And it's like, yeah. Oh, that's that's dark, you know. Yeah. And the, but he's a monster at that point from you know another dimension. So I, I get I don't know how dark it really is, relative to speaking. I'm but. pretty sure he was a monster before he got into the resonator. Yeah, right. Because um, <laughs> he's he's the one that welcomed it, and then you see. Yeah. But then it affected everybody a little differently too. There was some inconsistency in the sense of like uh, Combs's character eventually, like you know, his forehead breaks open with the pineal gland coming out, like almost like an anglerfish. Yeah. And I could see, and you see the other Pretorius monsters there as well. But, and, and I feel like, um, Catherine's character was exposed to this thing almost as much as, as Jeffrey Combs's character was. Well, he was exposed to it one more time before because yeah. she wasn't there at the beginning. That's true. So that's, that's the only rationale I can come up with. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it also becomes a little bit of just movie logic in the sense that like someone has to be the. I don't want to say protagonist at that point, but like 
her point in the movie goes from like being obsessed with the actual device itself to being obsessed with you know ending it and saving him or at yeah. least thinking she's going to save him well because it shifts gears like in yeah. the sense that like she was the one pushing the narrative and then she realizes the error of her ways and wants to stop it and then jeffrey combs is now wandering around you know sucking brains out of people's skulls yeah you know um, i mean that's that's actually for all the wonderful special effects in this movie that's one of the things that always stuck with me is that scene where she walks in the doctor walks in um, and I, I realize we're kind of jumping around the movie, but um, if you haven't seen it before, we're probably about three quarters of the way in. But they're back at the asylum slash hospital where the um, the other the other uh, psychiatrist there the the other the other well, doctor. I, I always yeah, I just thought she was a regular doctor, not so much a psychiatrist. But um, she yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, she she would tell people shock therapy, so I think that she's some kind of yeah. I guess that's right? fair. Yeah, like, I just could you imagine like just regularly? Like, hey, I'm your dentist, and I just want to let you guys know <laughs> that you have some cavities. We're going to need some shock therapy because you eat too much candy, and this is going to deter you from it. We're going to hold a Snickers in front of your face and melt your brain. Yeah, basically during the last time that the resonator was turned on, Ken Furry's character is is killed by an awful swarm of insects that. I don't even know how to describe them. They're not bees quite. They're not. They're like little beads. Like <laughs> it's it looks like what you would happen if you like ordered a package covered in like peanuts and got real sweaty and jumped into it. Like I don't know how else to put it, but it's just uh, yeah. these things that attach to a skin and basically eat his flesh. Um, and I, I guess spoilers. Um, <laughs> but. Tillinghast and... He was Ken for Eaton. <laughs> yes, he was Ken for Eaton. Uh, they end up back at the asylum, and the doctor who um, is sort of presiding over it decides that um, Catherine needs to get electroshock f- therapy, and then she's going to try to attend to um, Dr. Tillinghast, who has, A, his pineal gland has broken through his skull and is occasionally coming out and seeing her like a worm. Um, but he, he breaks off from, uh, the room that he's in and he finds a room basically with, I, I don't know if there, this really exists in hospitals, but just a room with like a bucket full of brains. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when you have a surplus, where are you going to put them? Yeah. Um, and, uh, for whatever reason, he finds them delicious. They never really give a reason why or... Other than I'm sure his brain activity spikes, so I yeah. don't really... But I like... So brain food? Brain, it's brain food, yeah. It's the, it's the most intelligent food. Um, I like that the, 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 the contrast, uh, this is a, a pun and by accident, of, like, the, the neon greens of Reanimator, and then there's, like, these magentas in this film, but then yeah. anytime a brain... A, bra- a brain? <laughs> a Neil Breen. Anytime there's a Neil Breen witness, no. Whatever's a brain witnessed uh, in this, and, like, it's, it's like, you know, seen through the, the, the third eye vision, it's this, like, hot pink. Yeah. And it's, like, it's, it's almost the exact opposite of, like, you know... So I like that the, the, there's this color coding, everything going on, and it's... um. It works, you know, yeah. but yeah, like he goes walk in the room and then you definitely see there's a brain in that tub because it's, it's, it's irradiating like how much <laughs> you can see it. And I uh, guess I got ahead of myself in the sense that I was trying to backtrack and explain, but the thing that always stuck with me is, is that Dr. Block, who is the other attending doctor, goes in to check on him and is like, you really shouldn't eat those. They're going to make you sick. And 
Crawford has this brief moment where he's like, oh, my God, what's happening to me? And she's yeah. like, well, come with me. You know, we'll, we'll try and figure it out together. And then he stands up, and then he finally, like... He looks, he looks at her head and sees yeah. her brain. <laughs> yeah, basically, he sees her brain, and... He sucks her eyeball out while she's alive and then starts eating her brain. But he spits the eyeball out. Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing. It's like, this is just getting between me and that sweet, sweet brain. Yeah. And, like, yeah. and what's interesting about that, though, is, is like going back to what I was trying to say was, is that that, for whatever reason, was always the thing that like stuck with me. Like, that was the thing that was, I don't know. There's just something horrific about that. Well, and I never saw it in a zombie movie. I still don't <laughs> think I've ever seen it in a zombie movie. One of the one of the reviews, I guess, at the time, or someone that was talking to St- Stuart Gordon was like, you know, when people choose to cut away, you push in. Like, yeah. it was like, and that's probably a good way to describe him. It was like, when it's easy to cut the camera away and have the implied, he doesn't imply anything. He just shows it. And to sometimes that that is a weakness, but in his in his ability and, and the people that he had working with him, it's pure strength. Like yeah. it's just it is uh even even at the end when it gets to this be almost like Warner Brothers thing of like who's taking control of the space blob, whose personality is controlling this creature, is it Pretorius or is it um uh, uh, what's his name? Uh you he messed up Jeffrey Holmes' name. Tilling Ast. Tilling Ast. it's just you know I keep Dr. West. Um, <laughs> like there's this battle of the wills and it's like this disgusting back and forth of this, like, like one head's kind of popping out and being like, I'll get you. And the other head's popping out and being like, run away from me. And it's like, it's, it's, it's very cartoony, yeah. but it says it's played so serious. It's horrific. You know, like, um, uh, uh Brian Usna, who's the producer of this, uh, he directed that film society, mm-hmm. which I know you watched that somewhat recently for the first time. Yeah. Within um, the, I, I think probably closer to the beginning of the year. Cause I think I watched it just before the Super Bowl, So yeah. like maybe January. Yeah. And I'd, I'd only seen it in the past year or so too. And that one also deals with a lot of, uh, uh, body dysmorphia and, uh, you know, the, Gooeyness. yeah, but that's done much more cartoonish. Yeah. But you can see. Where there's a lot of that going on. And there's all, I'll always be freaked out. There's a bit where Dr. Pretorius holds his left hand up. It's already a long hand, but then the fingers extend. That will always freak me out. I don't know why. (laughs) It's just like, it's something about that. But there's so much, there's so much good practical effects work in this. Um, Watching it now as a grown up, I didn't realize that the Pretorius monster with its face, like being, you know, its head being several feet away from its body, is, is the actor having that face makeup and prosthetic on and they're just shooting him from the chin up and with the with the neck piece behind him flowing i just i never would have picked up on that as a kid yeah just knowing it now because like how are you going to do that it's basically puppet work right and it's awesome like it gives a like an amount of emotion and depth that i you know that you could cg it all now and it would just be like like venom's in the theater right now and people some people that have not liked that movie say it just becomes this big uh, symbiotic mess yeah. and you can easily see how something like from beyond could be like that but it never does even though it gets extreme in the sense of like um there's appendages and tentacles that go places and from out of nowhere and when I, this goes back to what i was saying before we even got to the, the the i was trying to not bounce all over the place um sometimes when you get to these extreme um set pieces i sometimes lose interest in a movie because i'm like how can a body you know materialize that fast i mean like you know um you know what's the uh, metabolism and all that like you can't do it that fast right with this case because we're dealing with all this stuff from another dimension you don't know how it's affecting things i I just i ride with it because that's the premise of the movie um something did you see the void yeah yeah and 
I wanted to love it. And, and it's like, and, um, and even that much works, it still works in like this, like nightmare hellscape. There are bits in that movie in the beginning where I'm like, why is that happening as fast as it is? Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's, you know, it, it's the filmmakers, you know what they want to do, but I had a hard time buying in with some of it mm-hmm. with this. It's like within the first three minutes you have, um, <laughs> Herbert West, his real name, Jeffrey Combs, whatever his actor, the character's name, you're going to keep saying it again, Tillinghast, Crawford Tillinghast. I don't know why I keep forgetting that. Within the first three minutes, he's clicking on every single switch in the known world and then powering up the machine, and you see space eels or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, and he looks at one, it looks at him, and then it bites him. Like, it's within the first three minutes of the movie, you know what you're in for, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I'm, I was... It sets a, it sets the stage for what's going to happen, and it doesn't back away from it. So my mind's already accepting it at that point. Yeah, I. So I I, I don't want to put down the void, but I was just kind of disappointed <laughs> in it, um, in that I never was able to buy into the story. Um, I appreciate what they were trying to do, and I was just I disappointed. Too. There were some good images I, in that. It just it never connected for me. It. Yeah. yeah. And there was just so much there where I'm like, this could be great. It just wasn't clicking with me. Yeah. And then I just think of it, it. It's not, it's not the same movie as from beyond. They're not trying to be the same thing, but the way I could see how you can make a parallel though, a little bit, you know, like they, I could see how they could be maybe in a similar conversation. But when you mentioned the fly, I was thinking about that movie while watching this one, where I feel like they're really good bookends because not only are they a body horror, they are the chasing of science at, at what cost. Right. Um, and it's also dealing with the idea of perfection and desire because there is sexuality that runs to the fly mm-hmm. uh, because Jeff Goldblum's character um, of him being kind of repressed. And then suddenly, you know, that's all, you know, living the, the, was it the, um, uh, the plasma fountain or whatever he t- talks about, you know, that his being, being rejuvenated, you know? Right. Um, and with this, it's like, it's a dip in the plasma pool. I think that's, that's what it. He, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and being a wonder twin, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, what he said. Um, so in this one too, it's like with, with, uh, Catherine wanting to chase this and then Pretorius with, um, Crawford saying that Pretorius, you know, he wanted, he wanted more senses. He wanted to experience more. There's always that, like, that that desire and that hunger for additional and it gets twisted and and, um entwined with you know the sexual yeah and it's and then and i feel like this is a very interesting film because if it didn't have the sexual part to it it'd still be you know it'd still be a fun watch and it'd still be interesting but it just it just it darkens the whole thing in 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 a interesting and complex way yeah that i appreciate i feel like it gives it legs no pun intended you know, like I think this movie carries forward because it, it's speaking to a couple different issues and not just we're going to eat brains and look at space eels. Right. You know, <laughs> which was almost its title is uh, Space Eels. Space Eels. You know, um, <laughs> they're eels, but from space. No, uh, so I. I'm glad you picked this. You know, like yeah. I mean, it's like I said. It's it's for me. It's the one that I always think of when I think of, you know, that combination of Stuart Gordon, Barbara Crampton, and Jeffrey Combs. Whereas most people will go for Reanimator, and like I said, it, it introduced me to a much more adult world of horror than what I'd been used to. Um, similar, probably in the way that like even though I think Hellraiser is a little bit more rock and roll. Um, a little bit more apt to a teenager's taste when you mm-hmm. first see it. Uh, this was just 
challenging to me as a 14, 13, 14 year old kid watching it. And what is it about this that I like? You know, what is it about this that, you know, interests me? And, you know, it's, it's still like, you know, I, I don't think I'd seen it. And I picked up the Scream Factory version of it, I think, two years ago, but I hadn't seen it in quite some time before that. Um, and then when I watched it again, I was just like, God, this movie's so much better than I even remember it. And mm-hmm. I had very fond memories of it. Um, and it's so well done. Um, and if you're somebody who, you know, is looking for, because, you know, particularly with 80s nostalgia being so big right now, if you're looking for an offbeat horror film that came from that era that's going to be a little different from what you watch, because the next two films that we're going to talk about uh, in this series are going to be very much of the, like, clear came from the 80s slash, you know, more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to take you a little down a little bit more of a beaten path, and I, I think that uh, it's a rewarding watch if you sit down and watch it. Yeah, and just uh, a, a good pick. Um, also, just to point out this this movie, there's no fat on it. It just it just runs like it just goes. Oh yeah, and it's like it's very like like I said, first three minutes you get the setup, and then like you're on to the next thing, and it, it just it just burns, and it's great because sometimes these movies they take a while to get to the monsters. The, the, this is right up front, and yeah. it, and then and, and it just keeps getting worse with them. It's like oh, we showed you something horrific. Just give it a few minutes. We'll show you something even more horrific, and yeah. it, and um. So I appreciate that. Um, and then just kind of reading a little bit of history about it, finding out that this was shot on the, uh, the Dino De Laurentiis uh, studio lot in Italy mm-hmm. uh, because Charles Band had some money at that time and for a little while. And then because uh, yeah. this was released by Empire Pictures and this was before he founded Full Moon. Um, and to think that the, that was a very it was a legitimate studio lot to shoot films on and it was just like shot in Rome. And, and also there was a lot of Italian, um, the crew on there. So there was a different vibe and like the idea that, like the idea that they would just be talking because they didn't, weren't worried about sound. Like, and then like, yeah. there was all this stuff going on where like just from all the Westerns I had been watching and learning about how they shot a lot of stuff and would dub it later. The challenges of shooting this film when half the crew didn't know to be quiet. When, like, <laughs> shooting um, We're actually recording this. Yeah. And I like that the sound of the resonator has like, they built in, they baked in the sound of it having uh, like a wind quality to it because they had these wind machines on set yeah. and they couldn't cover it up. So like, well, it's part of the machine now. And I was like, these are, I love these like things that you don't think about and they, they play in really well, but it's just because they didn't have money to fix it otherwise. And I just, I don't know. There's just a lot of these, there's a lot of old school filmmaking techniques involved in this. And there's a lot of really good cinematography in this, like, like the colors we're talking about, the color palette and just how they were trying to show that this world is one step away. It's just, mm-hmm. there's, it pops like in, and, and now that we're in like this weird, there was that weird time a few years ago where every, you know, horror movie had to be like orange and blue, like lighting. And it was disgusting. This is not that like, this is that very much candy coated at times, like horrific, like just shiny and, and ugly. You know. Yeah, this movie has its own visual style. I don't know that I can think of a lot of movies that, like this one stands out visually um, from the monster design to the color palette um, to the way it's shot. Uh, there are very few movies like this. And even when it comes to the ending, the ending sort of happens and you're like oh my god, like I can't believe it ended that way. Um, and then to find out that uh, Barbara Crampton had like, you know, she had free will to play the ending how she wanted. Yeah. And then, cause you watch it, you're like, well, of course it's going to end that way because how else could it end? 
And then to know that like she was the one that kind of was like, this is how this has to go. Yeah. It's a very, that's another thing too, the economy of 80s films, it's like, okay, we're done. Credits. Like we talk about the fly, like it, it, it's resolved. The ending is resolved within like a minute and then there's credits that the, yeah. you're like, we're not sticking around. Like, you know, good luck there's sleeping. There's no stinger either of like, no. yeah, the like resonator we, turning back on. Yeah, we or, didn't need that. We didn't need the dog like running in and something happening. Like, it's just like the the, the movie's been resolved. Nobody's ever going to be right ever again. Yeah. The end, you know, like, so I respect that. It's like, we're out. Like, don't overstay your welcome. This movie does not overstay its welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So, yeah, no, good call. Uh, there, There's just, you know, I had a bunch of notes here. Steve's looking at my notes. <laughs> my notes are all over the place. Uh, we didn't even get into the, the Lovecraft stuff. And part of it's because we don't. I'm not well read and well versed in the Lovecraft like, lore and yeah, the, same the, here. Know. I mean, I hate to say it, but I, I've never really read Lovecraft, so you know. But this is the part feel of it. Like, to throw tomatoes at me if you see me in the streets. <laughs> I feel like when a lot of, like people in passing think about Lovecraft, now they think about like Cthulhu and like the the, the that whole like you yeah. know uh, that the dark side of that. This feels more like there was that like the un the unknowable. You know, and like mm-hmm. that, like the, the the whole idea, of like they talk about him writing like cosmic horror. This feels like that science side of cosmic horror of like, you know, you're opening doors that can't be closed now. Like you should not have found them, but now that they're open, anything's coming through. You yeah. know, so I, you know, it, it, so there's, there, it's a good movie, and I know I can't keep st- stumbling over my words here, but I'm glad you picked it. I had not watched this in forever. Uh, the Shout Factory disc you let me let me have because you have the better one. You have the Blu-ray one. I have the DVD one. The special features on it are really great. I haven't had a chance to watch it with the, the commentary, but all the rest of the stuff was awesome. Yeah. Um, well, how did you feel about Jeffrey Combs being like, I, you know, it's not my best work, but the fans like it. How do you yeah. feel about him saying I mean, that? it's on, interesting. On the special features of the movie that they're doing the special edition of. You know, I, uh, to be honest, though, I think that that's refreshing because like a lot of the times... And I, I, I don't know, I don't mean to make comparisons to myself as an artist, to Jeffrey Combs as an actor, but, you know, there are things that people will come up and be like, oh, I love this, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of, it's all right, you know, and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, people see things in what you do, you know, mm-hmm. their own way, um, but it's. It, I also thought it was refreshing to just hear him be honest, because there's, you know... So much of what we see is like, you know, actors promoting or wanting to, I don't know, put themselves in a good light where I thought it was interesting. And he was like, I, I don't feel it's my best performance. And I, I feel like he also felt like he didn't have a handle on the character quite. No, I feel like he, it feels like he got like, he got such a, a charge out of Herbert West. Yeah. That I feel like he kind of like, like at that time you, you see Jeffrey Combs then and it's like, it, he he was he was a good looking dude like strong presence, and I'm not saying he didn't have a good career because he's had some great roles right. But who can forget him and uh, Heather Locklear in? Uh, oh no, I think it's Heather Thomas in, in Cyclone. Cyclone. Yeah, <laughs> but like even like his multiple different roles he's had in like the Star Trek stuff and and like he's he's had like an established career and he might be one of those guys that if you don't know his name you know who he is. Um, but I feel like he was like just on the outside of getting into something bigger. You know, yeah. in terms of like not bigger, like more notoriety, more like because I feel like he could have done that then. You know, now I feel like he's kind of he's Jeffrey Holmes. Yeah. You know, like um, like my first introduction to him honestly was the Frighteners. 
uh, mm-hmm. playing the the one inspector guy who he's amazing in that film. Oh yeah, I, I love him. I forget the character's name, but he was the one that's like was so undercover with the occult that everything like you know he be- he freaked out about everything. Um, I, so it's just you you get the feeling that maybe he he thought that he was going to go on to something else. And that maybe didn't materialize, but then being brought forward with this other project that clearly, you know, Stuart Gordon liked these people and was like, you know, I think this would be, you know, this would be good for you to do, you know, having him play more of a victim. I, I, you know, I think that was an interesting take. I mean, you know, who else? I don't know how she would have cast at that time to put in that role. And and I know he recommended his co-star and reanimator to be that guy. But do you think that guy wanted to be typecast as the victim every single movie? You know? Well, I mean, the other thing too, that I, I think is awesome, at least now uh, looking at what's being released these days is that Barbara Crampton had actually retired um, and had gotten a call one day um, to, to appear in, I think it was, is it your next that I'm thinking of? Long story short, somebody was like, "We really want you to be in this movie." She's like, "I don't act anymore." And they're like, "Well, just you know, take a look at the script. You know, mm-hmm. um, tell us what you think." And and it kind of brought her back. And then she was in uh, the first thing that I realized that she was acting again in was a movie called Beyond the Gates, yeah. which yeah. I I really liked that movie. I know that you and I had different reactions on that one. <laughs> um, I think because I admired its spirit because it it. it was an independent film or at least low yes, budget. Yes, yes, I can um, say that I enjoyed a lot of what they were trying to do. Um, I just felt that there was parts where I was like, really, this is what we're doing with this? <laughs> maybe maybe it's just the way I came to the film, yeah. not knowing what I was expecting. Cause it, like, but, and again, the film's going to be the way it wants to be and the way it happens and the way I react to it. That That's not the film's fault. But I was just like, huh. But her in it was she was good yeah. in it, you know. But she's like, she's making a comeback yeah. now, where she's in the new Puppet Master movie, which she was in the original first Puppet Master, um, and she's got a couple other things that she's in right now. I think that are, or at least that are coming out. So I'm kind of happy to see that she's getting a, a second life again as an actress, mm-hmm. somebody who'd walked away from the industry and is now, you know, 20 re-animated. years later, yeah, reanimated. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I guess I guess we could probably put the pin, the pin <laughs> in the conversation there. I just want to point out that the address of the house was six 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 Benevolent Lane. Like it was I just a never weird. Caught that it was weird. It's like oh, it's an evil thing, but maybe not evil. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, um, but and yeah. So it, there's a lot of weird things in here. There's a transition of Ken Faree throwing up to immediately someone cracking eggs into a pan. Yeah, I love I love those kind of just like <laughs> oh to. Oh, why are we looking at food right now? There's a lot of that good stuff. So mm-hmm. I liked a lot of that. Um, Ken Faree's uh, red uh, red undies. I don't know how I feel about that. That was weird. Him running into a basement full of water and grabbing Jeffrey Combs, wrestling him away from a large snake <laughs> snake monster <laughs> while all he's wearing is just a pair of underwear that's not hiding anything was awkward. Like whatever it, it is what it is but i'm just like i don't know how should i be watching this right now like <laughs> um but yeah no good movie good call uh so i enjoyed this and if people have not seen this movie as much as we're talking about we're not ruining anything it's more of an experience and it's just it's a good if you like goopy horror th- then this is more than two scoops like this is this is yeah i mean it's that weird thing of like it's you know 32 years old at this point like i don't know how to go about not ruining that movie well, no, it's so. like if you like slither you'll you'll like from beyond because you can tell we just talked about james gunn like you, yeah. you can tell he you know like absorbed a lot of that or if you like reanimator and you've just never tested the waters on this one yeah I would definitely say or you like the fly or the thing um i would put it in that same category or society <laughs> or society <laughs> that's the one everyone's like you know what i've seen that one i've not seen the rest of them you know? yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like a shunting good time to me anyway so 
So, all right, that's going to do it for our talk about uh, From Beyond. Um, so, yeah, uh, let us know on our Facebook page if uh, if you've seen From Beyond, if you liked From Beyond. Um, if you have a resonator, don't turn it on near me. I don't want to see things like that. That'd be weird. Uh, but yeah, we're on Facebook, uh, Invasion of the Podcast. We uh, have a website, invasionofthepodcast.com, where I put blogs up of, of movies of questionable quality that I write about. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. If you can find us there, rate and review us. That'd be greatly appreciated. And Steve, how can people find you additionally? I am at the Saturday Night Slasher.com. <laughs> uh, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter under the Saturday Night Slasher and our Facebook group um, or Facebook page, just to say. Uh, check us out there. And uh, I should have an Etsy store coming soon, although I just dove into that and didn't really know what went into it. Um, so hopefully before the end of the month, if you want to buy an actual physical copy of the Saturday Night Slasher and you don't live in cleveland uh you'll be able to get one so nice. i'll talk about that when it's finally up all right so uh we're going to move on to our game now uh which i just promptly knocked over to my right so it's completely spilled all over the place so so through the magic of editing i'm going to pick this game up and then we'll play it it'll be fun time to play the game time to play the game Nacho, Nacho Man. I want to be a Nacho Man. Yeah, so we're doing uh, we're doing the Nacho Hat. Uh, now that I've uh, knocked over the Nacho Hat and then uh, fought finding all the little pieces of paper, it was uh, quite terrible and depressing because I was sweaty and bending over and just it was miserable. So yeah, yeah. And I uh, discovered something that I forgot to talk about while Paul was, was being looking. sweaty and disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you do uh, want to check out From Beyond and you're looking to pick up that Scream Factory uh, copy, they're having a Shocktober sale right now through October 15th, um, 40% off of their titles, and From Beyond is one of them. So over like 100 of their movies right now are on sale, and it's a great way to pick up some really cool stuff. Yeah, so. absolutely. So uh, we're going to use Nacho Hat. We're going to do a shitty monster mash bash uh, royale. So I asked Steve to write down uh, eight shitty horror movie monsters, slashers, whatever. And I wrote down eight. He doesn't know the eight that I wrote. So they're mixed in here. He's going to pull two out. They could be two of his own, but we're going to debate who would win. Who's the sh- win or be the shittier monster? I don't know. <laughs> Guess we'll talk about I, it. I assume we're doing a Freddy versus Jason type style, like uh, strengths, weaknesses, where, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, so the first one that I have here is, oh, this is one of mine. It's yeah. uh, Zombie Billy. He's the bully from uh, Return of the Living Dead 2. Um, or you could even be him just, you know, before, it could even just be him before he becomes a zombie. But uh, Billy, the um, dickhead bully from Return of the Living Dead 2, uh, is going to be going up to another one of mine, which is uh, Torgo from Manos, The Hands of Fate. Now, are you, I know that you've seen Return of the Living Dead 2. Have you seen Manos? I, I still have not watched Manos. Okay. So uh, there's a great segment. I should have sent this to you um, in the episode where they debate whether or not Torgo is an actual monster. <laughs> so uh, basically, Torgo has enlarged knees and looks like an old prospector. Um and he's uh, basically a very lame monster. Um, he serves at the hands of the master, who is uh, Manos. <laughs> and uh, he is very um, creepy in the sense that the way he looks at women. Um, and he's just he's just looking for a lady to love him. So uh, 
That's uh, that's Torgo in a nutshell. But yeah, he's, it doesn't even look like a monster. This looks kind of like a. <laughs> uh, someone he's wearing made, a straw hat. Someone made a uh, like a like a bobblehead. Oh bobble my god, that's that amazing! Large knees and whatever. <laughs> looks kind of like Derek Waters to me from Drunk History a little bit right there. But you know, whatever. That's fine. Um, but yeah, and he has a, like a weird back scratching type of like, claw <laughs> hand thing that he has. So that versus that uh, bully. I don't know. I feel like the bully was probably a more defined character. From Return of the Living Dead Part 2. I don't know that I'd uh, say more defined. <laughs> They're both side characters. Yeah, I think he was more of a threat than maybe from what you're describing. That's fair, because he, he does uh, uh, bully the kid at the beginning and then spends the rest of the film pursuing him as a zombie. So yeah, um, I guess I will agree with that. We'll let, uh, we'll let uh, zombie Billy, or just Billy himself pass through this uh this okay. round so so uh torgo so zombie billy goes on all torgo's right. already gone okay so torgo's gone r.i.p torgo all right go ahead and pick two more oh wow yeah so the next two that i've got here we have 126 is... of these folks no we don't okay. <laughs> uh if you can't read my handwriting i'll read it for you oh wait oh i i got this okay <laughs> Uh, old Chief Woodenhead from Creepshow 2, which I wrote that. I, I mean, that's, it was your I pick, that but one, I, yeah. my handwriting. Um, and this then, is me trying to write stuff out better, because if not, <laughs> it just becomes like, like you know, yeah. Oh, or versus the Daffy Gremlin from Glen, Gremlins the, 2. The googly, goofy eyes. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's a tough one. I think Old Chief Woodenhead probably wins, even though he's kind of a racist tentpole. So. <laughs> Um, but he's also he, he's menacing and like he's, he's stalking you know and Daffy Daffy just looks like fun yeah yeah you know just, I, I mean I, we, we were, I think we we're going to talk about Gremlins at some point during the year I think we're going to do maybe we've talked about doing that for the knockoff uh, I could talk about how Gremlins freaked me out as a kid and Gremlins too, as much as it was a comedy still did not sit well with me uh, even <laughs> later because it was like these are Gremlins I don't like them and the, and the Daffy one was just weird looking you know so all yeah, right. That uh, that's not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's why I picked it. So. Okay. Yeah. I I think Old Chief Woodenhead wins. Okay. Um, but uh, I will also say that uh, I'm one of the rare people who actually digs all three segments of Creepshow Two. Uh, I know uh, that that's p- people's least favorite, but I thought you were going to say all three Gremlins movies. I'm like, there's a third, and I just wet myself <laughs> immediately, like out of fear. No, no. The, like no. There's the raft. There's the Old Chief Woodenhead, and then there's the Hitchhiker one, right? Yeah. yeah. Which. Uh, that's my actually my favorite one, which everybody's like, why that one? I'm like, it's just so creepy. Like, mm-hmm. it's been a long time since I've watched the second creep show. Yeah, maybe we should visit that next year. Yeah, maybe. Alrighty, so next up we've got here. Oh, the leprechaun, <laughs> uh, and leprechaun is going to be facing Ginger Dead Man. So you've got the power of Gary Busey and the power of Warwick Davis. Yes. <laughs> so I think we know Warwick Davis wins that one out. I would agree. I just, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I've never even seen the Ginger Dead Man. I'm kind of okay not ever watching it. <laughs> so yeah. I think I've only ever seen the trailer for Ginger Dead Man, but Leprechaun. I mean, he's been to space for God's sake, and he's been to the hood twice. Yeah, <laughs> which is weird because like he only went to space once, but he went to the hood twice. Yeah. Um, but I, you, I like how you said the leprechaun. You said it like uh, it was Wayne saying it to scare Garth. <laughs> yeah. I do love me some Wayne's World. All right. So next up here, we've got uh, um, Dr. Giggles, uh, famous actor uh, Larry Drake playing Dr. Giggles versus uh, Horace Pinker from Shocker. I don't think he's really lame, but I was trying to think of somebody that we've never <laughs> talked about really. 
Because that's Mitch Pelegi. Yeah. Uh, and, and he uh, could jump through TVs or through like the airwaves and stuff, right? Yeah. If I remember right. Um, yeah, I remember liking Shocker growing up, but it's like no one really talks about it anymore, so I don't know why. So my thoughts on Shocker is, is that like it felt like the Wes Craven film that would be the next like Nightmare on Elm Street, but just never became it. Yeah. Um, and... Well, I like it. I don't think it holds up entirely that well today, um, whereas I feel like Nightmare on Elm Street still holds up pretty well. Um, the thing that I always go back to, though, is is that when I was buying comics at the time, every like the month that movie came out, every comic that came out seemed to have a, a shocker poster in it. So yeah. like, I have a bunch of comics with little uh, mini shocker posters in it, and then... Uh, also, um, Megadeth uh, did a cover of No More N- Mr. Nice Guy for it. So on that alone, I'm going to give, on the strength of Megadeth's cover yeah. of No More Mr. Nice Guy, I'm going to give Horace Shocker, Pinker okay. the win. So, okay. But he, but you but you like, I like him. I like how I unilaterally, I yeah. just like. No, no, it's fine. It's like, I, <laughs> like, I was trying to think of like lame ones, but we kind of like, you know, he's kind of cool. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> he, may not, he may not make it, Pat, like for the lame reasons later. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, all right. So next up here, uh, and I mean, Dr. Giggles, come on, the same Dr. Giggles. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah, Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I remember the oversized Band-Aid that (laughs) suffocated somebody. Or it was the blood blood pressure cuff. There was one, there was, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So the next two, um, I think are both my choices, unless you (laughs) went off book, but you wrote Edward Cullen, and I think my choice was just any Twilight vampire or werewolf. Um, And then also uh, Roy, who is the fake Jason from Friday Five. Um, I think this is an easy contest. Roy from uh, Friday Five wins. He puts an axe right through Edward's face. Yeah. Or a pair of garden shears, right? Was that the fifth one where you did that with the... Yeah. Yeah. So stabs him in the middle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so all Edward right Cullen goes down in Twilight. Like, oh no! Oh no! Yeah. Sorry, all you oh, Twilight what, what fans. You, t- out you there. said any. You said any Twilight vampire werewolf. Like, like because they like, all suck. Like, like you're like you're telling me that that. Paul Paul knows these. He knows enough. Of, he's going to pick the right one. No, like, I was like, saying like, like you're, you're all like lame. no 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 no. Go Paul. Go go to Wikipedia and read all about this and make <laughs> make a educated decision. Or you're like you know what? He's watched all this stuff. He knows which one to pick. No, I just meant that like you could pick any of them in so that they're all similar. So like I feel like if I would have put down like you know. Uh, Brad from Twilight, He'd be like, yeah, that vampire, and I'd be like, there's no Brad in Twilight. I'd be like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Alrighty, so the next one here, uh, uh, this is this is actually pretty pretty much a favorite for me, just because I discovered it earlier this year. Uh, the Metal Beast from Project Metal Beast, which, <laughs> which is, is an awesome Wolverine, like a, a wolf movie, werewolf movie. But also, it's got like metal, um, like an adamantium like coating. It's a government project it's it's just it's glorious um and then it's going up against annabelle from those shit movies yeah uh, so the annabelle doll from the conjuring and then annabelle and annabelle to um no admittedly i've only seen i think the first conjuring i don't know if i've actually even seen the second one um first conjuring is not bad like in this the talk about when we mentioned the whole like uh why i don't really get into ghost stories the mm-hmm. conjuring I, I it presents the the main two uh the husband and wife um because i know the, the warrens yeah it, it 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 
grounds them in the reality of like when they first approach someone's house, they're like, oh, it's your pipes. And they show them what's going on. It's like, oh, you kind of show them saying that, that, that their first thought isn't ghosts, but they're there to be like yeah. open. And I was like, well, okay, that's kind of neat knowing that the real Warrens were kind of, you know, pieces of shit in real life, but the characters I can get behind, but then like they go and like the, the first half of that movie is really good. But then when it gets this full tilt, like weird ghost stuff the entire time, I kind of just like lost interest, Yeah, but it's not a bad movie. No, it, no, it's, it's like, not. it's, there's a lot of good in it. Like there's an amazing tracking shot that introduces the, the family. It just runs through the entire house as they're moving in. Yeah. It's a single shot. I'm sure it's not so much. It's, probably maybe even a digital assist now but it feels like one single continuous shot, shot that feels like it could exist and i and i dug that 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 annabelle movie is horrible like it's just it, there's a bit where this elevator in this basement floor like the the woman the, the main character is trying to open the the they close the the elevator because something bad's happening and because elevator doors like take forever to open and close it goes to close and then it opens back up again. So she's just jamming the button Then it goes to do it one more time and she's still jamming the button. So it's like, it's like this like sequence of like, it's like, it's almost co- you know, comedy of the doors just keep opening no matter what. And it's supposed to be like this moment of terror. And I'm just, it was, it was hilarious. I've heard the second Annabelle movie, which is a prequel is supposed to be better. So, but I don't know. I just, a doll that looks that creepy to begin with. Why would you keep it in your house? And why would you give it as a gift? Yeah, I mean, if I remember correctly, Annabelle in the first Conjuring is sort of used as like a way to set the movie up. Yeah, because they have like their little greatest hits in their house, and yeah. it's like a little prequel story about the story of Annabelle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I will say this: that uh, Annabelle was not a werewolf with metal skin. So <laughs> no, no. Um, so Project Metal Beast it, wins. It's a shame that there's three separate movies involving Annabelle in some fashion or another, and only one involving a metal beast. <laughs> and uh, if you're looking for Project Metal Beast, I don't normally do this because I'm anti-piracy, but it is available on YouTube because you can't really find it anywhere else. I think it might be on VHS somewhere, but because well, the government's trying to disavow all knowledge of Project Metal Beast. <laughs> That's <so>. right. <laughs> but you can watch it for free on YouTube. Yeah. Alrighty. So the next two here, I think I've picked all of my picks though. I feel kind of <laughs> yeah, maybe bad there. Alrighty. So Cropsy from the Burning. Ugh. That's what they called him. Yeah. Ooh. Versus Madman Mars. He <laughs> almost made my so list. This is this is the battle of the shitty Jason knockoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Um. um I, admittedly, like at least Cropsy has some real life anecdote behind him or at least basis for him um madman mars gets it just because he knows how to leave people who are getting down in a jacuzzi alone (laughs) yeah we haven't talked about madman on uh, at length in this move in this uh podcast but yeah uh if you guys have not seen madman you should. It's it, it's available to stream on Prime. If you want a movie that's not a good movie, but with the, the greatest awkward uh, hot tub scene, and like I saw it during the Twelve Hours Terror a couple years ago, and uh, and, and Kevin as he's leaving because he's not sticking around, he's like just just wait for the hot tub scene, <laughs> and he was right. Which is so. so weird too, because like that's Galen Ross, and like she's one of George Romero's players, and I feel like that's one of the last films that she's she did oh. um i mean she's still alive i just met her at the dawn of the dead week living dead weekend back in may but did you ask her about the hot tub from the madman Mad <laughs> but uh just when she was when i realized it was hers like oh my god you're like i love your work why were you in the worst sex scene that's ever been filmed <laughs> Alrighty, i think we're down to the last two of the first round the first here. round yeah this will go faster guys All i right. promise i know this so, is fascinating 
Oh, we got Mansquito versus the Wishmaster. Um, I, I, you like how I keep going to like other Wes Craven like, <laughs> things? Like, I have to admit, I've not seen the Wishmaster. So, I've, I've seen parts of it. Uh, uh, yeah. I have it because it came in a lot of DVDs that I bought, and I haven't gotten around to watching it. Um, but I honestly don't know much about the Wishmaster. Evil um, Genie, but you have a Mansquito. So. Yeah, I mean, Mansquito is essentially like your low rent, low rent the fly. So <laughs> That's true. Um, and it stars Cord Nemec, who was the star of uh, Parker, Parker Lewis. Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Yeah. So. Which was the knockoff of Ferris Bueller's Day <laughs> Off. Yes. So it automatically gets a buy. Do I you think. remember his, uh, his, uh, his bully slash muscle? That would kind of oh Kubiak yeah, yeah. Larry Kubiak uh, Larry Eat now yeah like, uh, <laughs> who went on to be Jerry on ER the uh, yeah that's right admissions yeah. clerk yeah well good good for Kubiak that you did that there's so. all your horror talk for you horror <laughs> fans yeah all your ER talk <laughs> all your ER talk um so yeah now we're gonna go on to round two we're we gonna some mix strong. the nacho hat back up yeah and hopefully I won't like throw see if it all of my later. ones that because uh, I, I do feel like I was just like I picked that one so it wins <laughs> whatever like so like we just did sixteen because I know the times passed we've done like. 87 heroes and villains <laughs> come back next week for the, the thrilling ending. We start out with 64. Did yeah. you say 64? No, 164. Yeah. Alrighty, so... Starting with the letter A. <laughs> First matchup here, uh, we got Roy, the fake Jason from Friday 5, versus uh, Horace Pinker from Shocker. Ooh, that's Ooh. a good one. I mean, if we're talking, we're talking shitty, or are we talking like could win in a fight? Because I think win in a fight would be feel, Horace. Yeah, it would yeah. be Horace Pinker because okay. he can jump through electrical TV. outlets. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, shitty Jason, you're out. Yeah. All right. Shitty Jason. Jason, if Jason still haunts your nightmares, he's not alone. You're not alone. Here comes shitty Jason. <laughs> Jason. All righty. He's Ooh. wearing like a field hockey mask. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> Alrighty, I already know how this one's going to go. It's Project Metal Beast versus Madman Mars. Oh, well, i got to give it to the Metal Beast. I've not seen the Metal Beast. but Yeah, he's, he's a werewolf in case yeah. of metal. Have I not said so? But if, if Project Metal Beast <laughs> happened to be near a yellow pickup truck that was not starting, <laughs> his days would number because Madman you know, Mars would take, take him out. Yeah, I think what my favorite part of Madman is is the dubbed-in noises that they put in because it's almost like pig noises. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the thought and his was weird his that. weird ability to kind of be in trees. Like, <laughs> I guess evidently that actor he got called away one night because his wife was actually giving birth and he showed up in the hospital in that, that makeup. <laughs> Alrighty, so next up we've got Old Chief Woodenhead from Creepshow Two versus Mansquito. Oh, um, I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't really, I don't really have a, a strong inkling either way. I, I feel like the mosquito takes it just because old Chief Woodenhead really only shows up if you, you, you know, he's been wronged. Yeah, I don't so, know. What would Mansquito do to wrong him? Other yeah. than fly around and annoy him and try to suck his blood, which he does not have. Yeah, because he's made of wood. He's made of wood. So, yeah. So, I, I guess Mansquito gets a pass. Yep, sorry. Even so, though he's not made out of, uh, even though he's not a werewolf with metal skin. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're down to the last two of this round, and we've got Zombie Billy, the bully from Return of the Living Dead 2, versus the Leprechaun. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go with the Leprechaun again, because, I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, he wants his gold. He wants his gold. <laughs> yeah. And his charms. 
Yeah. His lucky charms. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that first movie. I, I, I've not seen the other Leprechaun movies. And it's like. We, we tried to marathon him uh, one night and I don't think we made it past two. I, I, yeah. I, good for Warwick Davis to kind of have like a go to, you know, like, I mean, not that he didn't have Star Wars and things, but this was really was his, like, his, his this was his, you know, like, yeah, it was, no, like, I know. You know. But it's just funny that you're like, good for Warwick Davis for being in the Leprechaun films. He's in Star Wars for God's sake. Yeah. But I, whatever. I still feel like, like he's a side character. I guess. Because if someone else played the Leprechaun, I'd be like, wait, that's not that guy. Right. Yeah. So. Well, they did make a remake, oddly enough. Uh, couple years ago which i think the wwe was behind maybe oh you know what you know i think you're right let me i didn't see it i think it was leprechaun origins <laughs> so just like we... wolverine origin origins it was uh not to be seen apparently yeah let me look that up that that sounds terrible um yeah let's see here I mean, it wasn't like The Rock is the Leprechaun, which I would <laughs> that see. That would be amazing. Um, oh, yeah. That makes sense. Um, Hornswoggle uh, was the Leprechaun. He's um, Who's Hornswoggle? He, he is you know, a, a little person wrestler. Okay. Uh, I don't... What's the? I don't want. Is to that his wrestling name? Yeah, Hornswoggle. Yeah, Hornswoggle but okay. now, but he's no longer part of the WWE. So it's funny that we've mentioned this because he just goes by Swoggle now because so people know him and like he doesn't. Because okay. some of these names are owned by rights of you know WWE. He wrestles a lot of the Cleveland shows now. So okay. you can find if you want to meet the star of Leprechaun Origins. Uh, he wrestles here in Cleveland often. So why wouldn't you just wrestle as the Leprechaun? Now? <laughs> as the Leprechaun, because I think that feels a little uh, a little wrong now. I feel like, yeah. How many how many more times can I say either Project Metal Beast or <laughs> Leprechaun in this episode? Take a drink. Right. I'm just trying to see. There's nobody else in here I recognize from this movie, and it's like you know, if that was a WWE production, he was the only one in it that I know that's a wrestler. And I'm probably wrong, but that's what it looks like to me. Interesting yeah. uh, side fact about the first Leprechaun: it's got Jennifer Aniston. It in does, it. and <laughs> it's like it's like only like two years removed from Friends or yeah. something. It's like really weird how it's like it's like she. I mean, Jennifer Aniston's you know a very very attractive woman, but it's like her like super like at she that age from being a leprechaun to having a haircut named after her well, like like she had been in other stuff too do you remember there was that fox tv series that only lasted like a season called malloy that she was in and she her younger also, sister was uh my Bialik in that show yeah but she was also in the ferris bueller tv show that's right as genie there you go okay wow so all sorts of things man yeah <laughs> All right, we're down to the final four here. Uh-oh, I don't like this next one here because I've got to pick from from uh, two tough battlers. I've got uh, Project Metal Beast versus Horace Pinker from Shocker. Oh. Uh, but, I mean, what's interesting is neither one of them went on to have uh, sequels. But- um, I guess I feel like Horace Pinker kind of has to win just because of the fact that, like... He's a Wes Craven creation. Well, that and he, you know, deals with electricity, so he could probably short out the Metal Beast in That's some fair. sort. Which I mean, he has armor. I, you would assume there's electronics in there of some sort, right? But I don't know. But yeah, anyway. So yeah, I don't remember the ins and outs of the workings. Of, uh, you don't. Project you didn't get Metal the spec Beast. sheet for the Metal Beast. Yeah. Yeah. So right. Horace Pinker, uh, and then uh, the next match here we've got. <laughs> I'll just say it normally: the Leprechaun <laughs> um, versus Mansquito. Oh. I feel like the leprechaun takes it. I don't yeah, know I do about too. You. I feel like he has magic. And yeah, which I mean, way? 
The Mansquito. The Mansquito, really, if you just hit him with a big enough can of Raid, I, I, he's probably going to... I mean, that's true of humans, though, too. If you walk like a human in a in a room and just yeah. hit them with you, you Raid hit him, for a You hit him with a large sack of gold, you're going to kill somebody. Right? <laughs> so you don't need to pull these names out of the hat. I know. So our final, I was almost going to put them in there. <laughs> the final two that we have are Horace Paker from Shocker and uh, Warwick Davis of Star Wars and The Leprechaun. <laughs> um, wow, you know, I mean... If, if this is gonna, if we're gonna get down to shitty, I, you know, and even though, like, I mean, Leprechaun's got him beat by, a, uh, a, 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 I, I was gonna say, I don't know, a whopping amount. Um, I couldn't think yeah, of an analogy there. I couldn't think anything good either. Um, yeah, I, I gotta go with Leprechaun. I just because you know, like, if we're gonna get down to, could Horse Pinker beat him in a fight? Probably, but that's, but you don't physically beat the Leprechaun. Like, I think I forget what you got to do to him. Like, say his name backwards. That's Rumpel Rumpelstiltskin. That's not right. I was gonna say I think that's also Mister Mitzipik. <laughs> Mr. Bad Guy from Superman. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to give it the Leprechaun because, like, you know, I feel like even when you think you beat him, he's always back. Yeah. So, you know. I do find it weird that, like, the Leprechaun got seven movies and Shocker got one. one. Yeah. So, weird time that we were living in in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. So, that's it. That's your Monster Bash, Monster Mash Bash, uh, Nacho Hat. So, the Leprechaun yeah. won our shitty Monster Mash yeah, Bash. And if you guys want to dispute matchup. the results, please let us know on the Facebook page, all that stuff. So, next week, Steve, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're taking a turn back to 30 years ago to 1988 to watch Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, another one of my personal favorites. Nice. So, yeah, we'll be talking about Michael Myers for some reason. I don't know why. I hear there's a movie coming out that I'm really excited about. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, So, yeah, be safe. Uh, Have a good week. Um, I don't know. Don't go to beyond. And then if you do, don't come back from there or don't go from beyond. I don't don't know how you say that in a sentence. I don't know. Just from beyond just sounds weird. Yeah, so don't don't go there and and, and don't mess with stuff. So, yes. All right. See you guys next week. Science. It's poetry in motion. She turned her tender eyes to me as deep as any ocean. As sweet as any harmony Oh, she blinded me with science She blinded me with science Blinded me with science And failed me in biology When I'm dancing close to her Blinding me with science 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 I can smell the chemicals blinding me with science. 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 Mmm, it's poetry in motion. Poetry in motion. And when she turned her eyes to me, as deep as any ocean, as sweet as any harmony. Blinded me with science. Blinded me with science. And failed me in geometry. When she's dancing next to me. When I'm dancing next to you. 
science. I can hear machinery blinding me with science. Science. It's poetry in motion. And now she's making love to me. The sphere's in commotion. And uh, the elements in harmony. She blinded me with science. Science! Blinded me with science! Oh, uh, then hit me with technology. Swimming in the ocean. Talk to her, baby. William Shatner here, riding on the mothership, just for the funk of it, babe. Good heavens, Miss Sakamoto, you're beautiful. I don't believe it. There she goes again. She tied it up and I can't find anything. All my tubes and wires and careful notes and antiquated notions. But it's poetry in motion. And when she turned her eyes to me On this deep is in the ocean As sweet as any harmony Oh, she... She blinded me with science She blinded me with science Blinded me with science And hit me with technology 